0: And we're live with Angular Air. Hello, world. Uh, my name is Kent C. Dodds. I am your host for this Angular broadcast podcast we love called Angular Air. And uh, today, we have a fun show lined up for you um, entitled Immutable JS with Angular. And um, I'll just go ahead and introduce everybody. So um, our guest star for today is Miko Gichev. Hello. And then we have Amy Knight as a panelist. Hello and Jeff Welpley as our other panelists. Hello. And um, so just a few quick announcements. Uh, Don't forget, during the show, you can ask questions with the hashtag ngairquestion on Twitter. And at the end of the show, we will look at that hashtag and answer your questions. So yeah, do that. Um, Also, next week, our show is on the um, 29th, just a week from today on Angular Connect with Pete Baker and Darwin uh, and so, yeah, it's just gonna be a, a primer for the conference we're really excited about. Um, so tune in, same time, same place there. And as always, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to keep up to date with the latest and greatest from Angular Air. So. Um, yeah, let's just go ahead and, and jump in. We're talking about immutability, uh, specifically immutable JS, but we might get more, in, I, I think that it's good for us to kind of get more into the concept of immutability in general. Um, so um, Minko, do you think that you could just give us a quick rundown of what, uh, what is immutability and why is it awesome?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, an immutable object basically is an object which cannot change and uh, it sounds super impractical for sure because we are creating objects and we cannot change them however uh, this has some broad applications in concurrent programming for example if we create objects which we cannot change we cannot uh, leave these objects in uh, inconsistent state by touching them from multiple threads. however in the case of uh, Angular uh, I guess we're going to talk about some more the functional aspects of immutability, the the functional gains we get by uh, immutable objects so uh, basically the immutable objects they cannot change and when we want to apply any modification over an immutable object for example if we want to append an item into an immutable list we will get a new list with with, uh, the modification applied So the initial list will stay untouched.
0: That's basically what's an immutable object, yes. So the pre-optimizer in me is is screaming like, this is so bad for memory management. Like, why would you ever want to do this? Um, So can maybe you describe some of the benefits of this uh, approach?
1: Yeah, sure, so it's not that bad for the memory management
0: because they are not, uh, so
1: basically the libraries which implement some immutable data structures, they are not implementing them by copying the entire data structure they are doing some smarter things with uh, persistent data structures we can talk about them a little bit later I guess but uh, in functional programming uh, immutable objects help us basically to be able to develop pure functions and to not have any side effects this way so basically in the purely functional programming languages they are famous with the fact they the functions, they do not produce any side effect. So for example, uh, these functions are called pure functions and uh, one, uh, such function, basically, when it is called with the same set of arguments, it always returns the same results. And uh, this can gain a lot of benefits in by uh, helping us do a lot of optimizations when creating the user, user interface of our applications by creating components which are actually pure functions.
0: OK, so uh, I think you kind of described this a little bit, but I, I think it's a valuable uh, point to make clear, is that um, the um, the idea of functional programming has kind of um, come into JavaScript a lot more recently. And um, just in its simplest form, from my understanding, the definition of uh, like functional programming is uh, it or it um, consists of functions that are uh, called these pure functions, where they um, take one input and always return the same output regardless of any sort of global state at all. So they they don't respond to global state, and then they also don't um, perform any side effects. Um, and so this there are a lot of benefits to this, um, and I, I think uh, immutability kind of helps with this functional paradigm. Is that the correct assessment? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Most people who use Angular, Angular 1 for sure, are used to mutable objects. That is kind of how the default digest cycles, or the default dirty checking is set up. That People just change objects on the fly and then, um, you know, everything gets notified of that, right? So, If you, when you kind of talk about uh, the the ability to use it in functional programming and that type of thing, I I think uh, people that I know of that are just used to Angular Angular 1 don't necessarily understand why that's actually beneficial. Like, it it, it does force you to program differently, so maybe you can dive a little bit deeper into, you know, me as an Angular developer you know, what would entice me to try this kind of somewhat major paradigm shift from what I'm used
1: to? Basically, you can easily do, uh, reach this paradigm shift by start using React for a while or play with Angular 2, maybe. Um, But I guess React will be the best uh, possible case to, the best thing to start with. So if you start using uh, reacts uh, all these components they could be built as pure functions as I said so basically they receive some inputs basically basically all these pr- all these uh, components they can accept inputs uh, with properties we can think of these components as uh, for example the HTML5 uh, ra- range uh, component where we can pass the d- different ranges through po- properties. And so uh, basically when, we ex- when, we, when these components accept the same set of properties, they should produce the same output onto the screen. And uh, so uh, we can very easily um, understand, actually, the, the framework we're using, called, or the library. It can very, we can very easily uh, tell to the library whether it should re-render the entire component or it should keep it the way it is and uh, it is going to, well, basically we need to compare whether the current uh, properties passed to our component are the same as the next properties which we want to pass. In case they are the same, we don't need to re-render the entire component because we are going to, it is going to produce the same result which we already have on the screen. And so this is the case when the component doesn't own a state. Yeah, uh, so that's it. And React components they have this method called shouldComponentUpdate, which uh, basically helps you to wh- well, it states it, it tells to React whether the component should be rendered by using these methods. Basically, its default implementation is return true, so basically the component should be re-rendered uh, each time. However, if we implement this, if we pass immutable objects to this uh, React components. And uh, this means that we cannot change these objects. So one component cannot change the properties passed to another component since they are immutable. And basically we can check whether the component should be re-rendered only by comparing the arguments which we have passed. And we can do this, uh, we can compare these arguments only with reference check. So three times equals is completely enough.
3: So, touching on what you just said, can you kind of explain for people who who may not be totally familiar, the difference difference. uh, when you check something, Uh, when you're actually checking the object versus, like, deeply checking? Checking.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, So, if we have uh, a list and... uh, so let me explain how, I guess uh, you're familiar with this, but uh, let me explain how the Angular's uh, dirty checking works. So basically, if we bind to a list, and uh, when we uh, bind to this, when we bind to this list, on each iteration of the digest loop, uh, Angular needs to compare whether a value stored uh, as value of the list is equals to the new value of the property, which is the actual list. So we are watching an expression which returns the list. Angular registers this expression. Uh, okay. it's re- it evaluates it and creates a sha- shallow copy of the returned result and stores it somewhere. On the next iteration of the digest loop, Angular is going to evaluate the entire expression again. And compare the returned result with the shallowed copy with, with the shallow copy which it already has somewhere in memory. And uh, in order to do this, it needs to perform a loop over all the elements of the list. So this is basically a, li- a check with uh, linear complexity. It, if the item has 100 items, if the list has 100 items, are needs to do 100 iterations in order to verify whether the list is the same. But when we are using immutable objects, so we cannot change the list so we have the list and you have stored shallowed copy somewhere in memory the next time we modify the list we're going to get a new reference to the same list uh, to actually a different list because it's going to be a new reference and we don't need to perform all this uh, we don't need to perform all this check uh, with linear complexity by looping over all the items of the list we can only compare the reference of the current list gotten from the evaluation with the previous reference, which we got, so this reduces the dirty checking running time a lot. Basically, we have we reduced it from linear complexity to a constant complexity, and that's huge.
3: Good explanation.
1: Awesome. Well, so, so what awesome. I'm hearing
3: is that.
2: There's sort of two sort of primary things, primary things uh, reasons why mutability is popular, like the performance just mentioned, just mentioned, and then, and then also the um, predictability. So performance is just like you mentioned because you don't have to you know, with dirty checking. Sometimes you do a deep check, which takes a really long time. Versus immutability where you just know that specific thing has changed and it's a lot faster, like you're saying, like, linear time. Uh, and that makes sense. You can kind of explain that to kind of a, someone really easily. You know, for the predictability, though, uh, I, I just think that's a... I, I've tried a number of times to kind of explain that sometimes to other developers, and I think that's a harder thing for them to grasp, like, what, how it makes things more predictable. Is there any, like, maybe situation you can think of specifically of where... Doing it with the traditional way of implementing in Angular, um, it's it's not that predictable that it, you know, when you have multiple things updating one object or, or something like that, versus if you do it in with immutable, it, it just makes it easier to understand and reason. Do you have any kind of examples you could think of?
1: Yeah. Uh... I, I think where you're going getting more benefits uh, of immutability when you're passing an object through uh, deep here if items uh, I, 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 I have gotten such uh, benefits when using Angular 2 and React. I guess it's quite, it's reasonable to use them with Angular 1 as well. However, so uh, if you're using a given object across uh, several components and each of these components does something over the object's state, uh, the output of all other components is not going to be predictable because it's hard to manage the state of your applications when you're modifying it from different components and uh, basically creating all this complex data flow where your data is being modified by every component which touches it. And when you're using commutable data structures, you're just passing the objects to given component, it, it, given directive, for example, it uses it somehow, but uh, it is only a consumer of the data it's, it gains. It, it's not, it, it doesn't modify it, it anyway. So it's, it gets uh, easier to reason about your, the state of your application.
0: So well, I wanted to ask a little bit, um, get into some of the details of um, immutable JS and kind of uh, what the API is like, what the development experience is like uh, using immutability in your application. Um, because most developers, especially Angular developers, are used to mutable objects, and that's just kind of the natural thing. Um, that's you know what we do day to day. So. How how does our development change when we're using um, immutable objects and program programming with immutable immutability in mind, and uh, specifically uh, like immutable or yeah immutable JS uh, the API for that? So like I'm I'm used yeah. to using yeah. objects and arrays. Um, how is that different?
1: Yeah the. The biggest difference, for sure, is that when you push an item into a list, the list, the initial list, is not going to change. Uh, you are going to get a new reference to, to, to basically, to the list. And uh, the interface of Immutable JS, it is a little bit uh, different from the standard API we are used to. However, there is um, an alternative to Immutable JS called uh, Seamless Immutable. I think it's on GitHub. So basically it is backwards compatible with the JavaScript array sent objects. Maybe they're going to be easier. Well, basically we want, you won't have to look at the API of the library when you want to do something which you are already familiar with, with the standard data structures in JavaScript.
0: Okay, so um, rather than, um, with, with immutable JS, rather than creating a um, uh, uh, just a normal array with a bracket syntax I, I new up an array with immutable.js, uh, js and then whenever I do like a push or um, any sort of modifying um, operation on the immutable array it actually returns me a brand new uh, reference to the array and I still have the old reference and they're completely different obje- uh, arrays is that kind of how that works.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's it, and the objects inside these arrays, they're basically shared among them, so we are not creating copies of the items inside the list, so we are sharing them across the list.
0: Okay, but then those themselves can also be immutable objects as, as well, right? Yeah,
1: uh, and uh, yeah, and we need, yeah, we need to create the wrappers of the standard data structures. For example, if we want to create an immutable list, we we can create it by passing JavaScript arrays to the immutable lists uh, to the immutable JS lists constructor or to a factory function factory method. So
2: in Angular one, what are you binding to when you're using immutable data objects?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's very tricky in Angular one because well, you cannot use uh, for example, you cannot loop over the elements of uh, immutable list using ng-repeat for sure because, well, ng-repeat is not implemented to work with immutable, immutable objects. So it doesn't work out of the box. Uh, I created a sample directive, it's, it needs to be directive. Initially I tried to implement immutable, uh, to bind to immutable objects with filters, but it doesn't work because of several reasons. Uh, however, if you, uh, I implemented a directive which allows you to bind to immutable data structures. Basically, it allows you to use uh, ng for example, over immutable lists and maps. However, yeah, um, if, you are, if you need to do more complex things with immutable JS probably you're most likely going to need to implement your own implementation of uh, ng-repeat for immutable lists and immutable data structures. So is, is that
2: something that you've done in your projects, for or you have? Do you mostly for when you're using Immutable.js, do you mostly stick to Angular 2 now that it's um, starting to become a little more stable, or have you, how do you actually implement that in Angular 1?
1: Mm, I did a, a couple of uh, research when it is suitable to use immutable data structures in, in in your Angular 1.x project, and. Uh, so far I haven't gotten a, a project which is, which fits into these requirements. I'm using immutable, so I'm using immutable objects uh, mostly with Flux and React and Angular 2 because, yeah, there are some people who use uh, Flux with Angular 1 as well, but I'm just not used to this and I find it m- more suitable to use React or, or Angular 2. And in Angular 2 and React you get huge uh, performance and uh, uh, yeah, you, you get a lot of benefits by using commutable objects. Uh, in performance perspective, uh, it re- they reduce the complexity of your application by by uh, having you, re- by allowing you to reason easier about the state of your application and the data flow and so on.
3: I think that's, like, important to note, so everybody's, like, crazy, I don't know, people get really hyped up on React as far as performance, but I think the bigger gain, maybe, especially for, obviously, developers, is just your ability to reason about things.
0: Yeah, I think um, that that's definitely a benefit, um, and uh, I, I was wondering, maybe, if you could explain, kind of going along with that, and go, um, are you kind of in a situation where you're like, immutability is just the bomb, functional programming of the best, I don't think that I could, you know, program any other way now. Like, is, is it that good of a developer experience for you where, like, it's the only way you want to program uh, web applications, or are there certain um, applications where it just doesn't really seem to fit?
1: Mm, yeah, my couple of recent Projects, I'm using functional, exclusive functional programming, quick immutable data structures, and static typing. It's uh, kind of uh, slower to bootstrap sef- such projects because of the lot of things you need to do. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely getting a lot of benefits in, in using this. Maybe it's not suitable to do this for each application, but uh, if you are planning to scale, well, um, I think that Flux with uh, some f- I'm calling this functional UI and I think this uh, is very uh, common term nowadays so uh, yeah it scales pretty well because it, it reduces the complexity of your applications dramatically there are a couple of frameworks which are doing this so uh, there are different variations of flux for sure there, there is also psycho which uh, implements some awesome functional user interface where your components are pure functions and you're composing them. Basically there is a lot of stuff going on in this direction.
2: So you mentioned Angular 2. Um, Maybe you want to talk a little bit about how exactly immutability fits into Angular 2.
1: Uh, Yeah, sure, so we said, we already said how uh, immutability fits in Angular 1. Basically, it it allows you to reduce the running time of your digest loop by performing reference check instead of looping over the entire collection. Uh, So we are getting boost, some performance boost by uh, reducing the running time of the digest loop. However, in Angular 2, well, the Angular core team, they did a huge amount of work in order to optimize the digest loop. Uh, they have their different change detection strategies, like the JIT change detection, which generates code runtime and other fancy things. Uh, they also reduce the, so we don't have TTL. With the the digest loop is uh, run only once, so you don't have multiple iterations. And so, while well, the digest loop is already very fast, so the only thing left in order to optimize our to optimize it is to not perform it, right? So that's the only thing you can. Oh, and uh, Angular also moved the digest loop into separate thread by using web workers. Recently, I think Alpha 37 was the first, or 36 was the first Alpha release which supports this. So if uh, so, let's go back to the previous topic. So when you are not performing the digest loop, you are gaining even even better performance benefit, and it's. Uh, Mm, interesting. How exactly this can happen? Actually, there are quite uh, there are a few ways uh, using observables and uh, immutable objects. If well, in order to get better understanding of this, I guess we need to think of our user interface as a component tree. So we have all these components which are composed together. So we have uh, root components on top. After that, uh, this root component it has some child components and so on until we reach the leaves of the component tree. Uh, And if we have completely functional user interface and these components are like pure functions, basically they they do not produce any side effects and uh, they always return the same output when we pass to them the same input. Uh, And we pass our, and we hold uh, our state somewhere. For example, in, in Flux, this is the store. We can pass uh, our state through the component tree by starting from the component from the component tree root, and the comp- the, the root of the tree it just distributes all the state through its children, right? And uh, uh, when given component, it receives some input. We can decide whether we need to perform the change detection only when this input. Has different reference from the previous input which the component have received, and this way we can reduce the we can just we can uh, we won't need to perform change detection over entire subtree of uh, our user interface. And uh, actually, Victor Sefkin from the core team he described this idea pretty well in a blog post he wrote a couple of months ago. And uh, there was um, version there was um, there was a feature in Angular 2 called Home uh, Push, which allows taking advantage of this. However, I looked at the code base today and I didn't find it, so I'm not completely sure whether they support it. Yeah, Victor had a really
2: good uh, ngconf talk as well.
0: Yeah. So that sounds a lot like uh, the what, what you were talking about um, with the the component tree and um, we can om- or not run the digest on a whole sub-tree of that because we're using immutable objects, we check references. Is that basically the same idea as should component update in uh, React?
1: Yeah, I guess it looks similar, only the, diff- the mechanisms for uh, finding the difference, well, the changed bindings is kind of different because, yeah, I, I think it's quite similar to what React does, which should components of
0: So actually, Patrick JS couldn't join us today, but he had um, a question that we probably should have asked because it's a little bit more fundamental. Um, we should have asked it a little earlier. But his question is, um, how is immutability related to the ES6 keyword const, and what is object.freeze? I, I think this is a pretty common misconception.
1: Yep. Uh, well, so we so let's talk about object. initially. Essentially, uh, we already said that when we bu- when we create an immutable list, only the list is immutable. So the, the items, the entries inside this list, they could be mutable. And eventually, we can have two different uh, versions of this immutable list, and we can modify their items. And uh, basically, we are creating a very, we are doing very, very bad thing. Well, I guess every time we do this, a little kitty somewhere suffers. That's for sure. So with uh, object.freeze, um, this uh, method comes from ecmascript 5, we are able to make the items inside our immutable data structures immutable as well by freezing them, basically when we freeze an object, we cannot change it anymore. However, If we have object with nested objects inside, we are freezing only the the parent object. We can still modify the properties of these objects if uh, these properties are other objects. So we need to perform deep freeze if we think that we need to do this. And the const keyword, we are creating a variable not not variable. We are creating a constant and the value of this constant cannot be changed. So if we are creating the constant pi, uh, and we set its value to uh, three dots, uh, 15, and so on, mm, we cannot set new value of uh, pi. Um, So we can do the same with objects. We can create um, a constant object called, for example, config. We can set its value to some object, however, um, we can modify this object now. So we can modify the object, but, but, but we cannot set different, different value to our variable, to our constant called uh, config,
0: I guess. So it's totally different from um, immutability in, in the fact that it's more about immutable references or like, yeah, pointers, I guess, um, rather than what they're pointing to being immutable.
3: So, I had a question had a for question. you. Um, looks like you do a lot with Angular, you were doing a lot with Angular, you also do a lot with React. Um, do you have a specific use case when you think one is the optimal approach versus the other? Um, hopefully, it's not just one all the time. <laughs> or hopefully, you're not just, like, waiting for Angular 2. <laughs> uh,
1: yep. Yeah, uh... Well, I guess if I have to be something I have to build something quickly from scratch and the application is not going to grow that much. I'm going to choose angular one, but that's only a personal preference. I built I built uh, big applications with angular one as well. If I have to build something more complex, I would enforce uh, uh, I would uh, use more functional user interface only because I'm used to this I guess. For sure, MVW can scale as well, but I prefer flux for such cases. Um, and in this case, currently, I'll use React, but in future, I'll definitely use Singer too. That's just my personal, these are just my personal preferences.
2: Everybody being judicious on all sides. was a good, good question, good answer.
3: What about like Elm? Have you looked at that at all? Uh, sorry? What about Elm? What
1: about Elm? Elm, at all? At all? Uh, Elm the language. Yeah. yeah, it looks it looks awesome. I like Haskell, and Elm is written in Haskell. Elm look, looks super awesome, but uh, I haven't got the chance to use it in production because it's, well, it's kind of uh, dangerous to enforce it, and you need,
3: yeah. Seems like they're just like a common, I don't know, everyone's kind of going in the single direction, so.
1: Yeah, I'm using TypeScript usually, but with both React and Angular is
2: So in Angular 2, there's also um, another popular library besides you, you just, so definitely uh, at least according to the recent Angular survey, a lot of people are using Immutable.js for sure. Um, but even more people are using RxJS and kind of observables. Can you talk a little bit about well, number one, I guess, whether observables and Moodle.js can kind of like coexist at the same time in like different places uh, as far as in Angular 2, or whether you think it's like one or the other, and if it's one or the other, you know, what use cases would you use, uh, would you think <coughs> people should, should use one versus the other?
1: Yeah, I would use RxJS for sure, so, I guess I would not use it directly in my view, but there are some some uh, services which communicate with the backends, and for example, if I communicate with my backend through WebSockets, RxJS is perfect uh, perfect fit for this because uh, on each uh, WebSocket message, I'm getting the new events, and that's super awesome. Well, I can wrap my WebSocket inside some observable. Mm. Uh, I can reach some very good performance benefits by using observables in my view as well. I'm just not a big fan of this because of the, I, I, I don't like uh, that much, that many events uh, going around in my view. I just like the simple data flow, everything going from the roots, uh, reaching the leaves of the component tree. But definitely both can co- co- coexist. And Victor, he he did a talk about this yeah, he he mentioned the same thing about uh, the both observables and mutable JS in his talk at NGConf, and yeah, maybe you can reach even bigger performance benefits with RxJS in your view. I'm just not that big fan of it because of the tangled data flow.
2: Yeah, I so mean, I, I think the thing just to close out that point. Um, I think the thing that both Victor and um, during one of the keynotes they talked about was that. As far as performance goes, you know both are really fast you, when you're using observables or immutable. But uh, immutable is linear, or uh, you know it's it's order O of one or whatever, constant time rather, because of the fact that you know exactly what's what's changed um, ahead of time. So I, I think there is some slight. I mean. It's, it's Both of them are fast so you probably will never notice the difference as far as that but um, yeah it, it's probably going to be more come down to, it sounds like from what you're saying, a style thing that in your view like there are people that are still used to that more traditional uh, reactive type of mentality because that's kind of what Angular was built on and they'll probably stick more to observables um, but people who are more of the React JS mindset, uh, you know, and, and the benefits of the predictability and that type of thing, will uh, start to use immutable JS. So it's it's cool that they have both options available.
0: So I've got a question that's sort of related to immutability, maybe a little bit more related to functional programming in general. Um, so functional programming is very concerned with um, uh, not or like same output for the same input. Or, yeah, um, and so um, with ref- reference to like how we're building these uh, component trees, um, like you wind up with a situation where if it's a pure function, uh, if your component is a pure function, you have to pass down all the data that it needs, um, you know, to exist, um, and so you wind up with a situation like we, we've got Flex, and I'm not really experienced in Flex, but in, in that idea, you have these stores that hold all of your data, and then the components go and get that uh, that data when they need it, but to me, that sounds like global state, um, meaning that these components aren't, um, you know, purely function uh, or pure functions, so is um, am I just misunderstanding uh, functional programming paradigm, or is are we just making kind of these trade-offs so that we don't have to drill holes all the way down to the, to the leaves of our component trees?
1: Well, I think of the store more like uh, the par- what, like the arguments we pass to the component tree. Basically, the entire component tree is a function, and we pass to this function the store, and the, the thing which our component tree produces, the output, is the UI. And I think of the store more, more like the parameters might more like the arguments we pass to this function.:
0: I see. so well, it's, it not, it's, not, it's not the individual components that are function or pure functions themselves. It's the entire application that is a single pure function, and then it's composed of these components that, that reference the global state of, the, of this single pure function. Yep, mm,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: yeah okay I think I'm okay with that <laughs> I need to play around with it a little bit more but cool um, I, I think that we've uh, asked everything that we were thinking about uh, talking about is there anything Minko that you wanted to bring up or anything else uh, uh, panelists that you had to you wanted to bring up before we go into our QA
2: I have one last one Question, uh, sort of, related to the uh, uh, React versus Angular thing as well. So there was an article that came out uh, last week, I think it was, of using React within Angular 2, and, of course, you can always do that type of thing. Uh, but I, I was curious whether, um, the, given the fact that you can now use Immutable directly in, Angular 2. Do you see any use case Miko for why you would want to actually do that, like uh, actually integrate the two frameworks,
3: other than just kind
2: of like an experiment, like this this guy did for his blog
1: post? Yeah, yes, I, I would. Uh, I would use this uh, for the tra- for transitioning my, my the, the view of my applications from React to Angular 2. So I'm using Flux. I'm using some dependency injection brought by Angular 2 and the only thing left in order to complete my transition to Angular 2 is to rewrite my components and turn them to hmm. react to uh, Angular 2 components. Cool, thanks. Uh, and, uh, Amy, have you used Elm in production? Have you played with it?
3: Um, I, so I work with a mentor who he kind of walked me through one of his LMAPs that he was building, so I haven't done it specifically other than kind of looking through his, but it definitely, so I am um, more new to programming, and even from a newer person's perspective, I thought it was extremely approachable and definitely want to play with it more.
1: Yeah, I have such search plan future
0: as future, Cool. Um, I've also peeked into Elm just a little bit, and it looks interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just so many things to do. Uh, you can't do them all. It's crazy. Um, okay. Cool. So I think uh, I'm going to ask our viewers to ask a question on Twitter with hashtag into your Question. We have none. Uh, and so if you are interested in asking a question, now is the time. Um, but uh, we'll just go ahead and dive into tips and picks, and then I'll check the questions again to see if anybody has asked a question. So Jeff, would you like to hit us off there?
2: Sure, sure. So I have uh, two picks this week that I've been meaning to pick for a while, and I keep forgetting. Uh, So my first pick is my older daughter, Madeline Gale, and my second pick is my younger daughter, uh, Angelina Elizabeth. So they're they're great, and uh, I tell them every week that I do this podcast, and then they want to see me and they ask me to like give them a shout out and that type of thing. Um, so this is the shout out. So
0: what's going on? That's it. Nice. Family focus picks. I've got a family focus pick too. <laughs> so uh, Amy, why don't we go with you next?
3: Okay. I think I picked this a while back, but uh, we were kind of chatting amongst ourselves last night in uh, our own uh, hangout. And, Uh, I was frustrated with people who were not really understanding promises so I'm going to pick another uh, like I said I picked this a while ago but it's another blog post and if you haven't already looked at it you should look at it it's called we have a problem with promises it's not with Q so um, it's not angular specific but it will give you the gist of the right and wrong way to use promises so if you haven't already looked at it go look at that article again and then my second pick um, I'm going to pick standing, so I'm standing right now, which is why if you're viewing this on YouTube, I might look a little off, but, uh, you know, programmers tend to sit all day, so my pick is standing, because it'll make you feel way better, that's it for me.
0: Cool, sorry. Sometimes Hangouts doesn't let me mute very quickly. It's really, really annoying. So if you work at Google and you work on Hangouts, um, give us a little bit more love. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, I'll go ahead and give Patrick J.S. a uh, pick uh, here really quick. He created... He's So Patrick J.S. is with Angular uh, Class, and he created a new repo on GitHub um, called Awesome Angular 2. And it's uh, just an awesome list if you're familiar with those, a list of really awesome resources for Angular 2 and my, oh my, it's a long list. So uh, go check that out. It's um, github.com slash angular dash class slash awesome dash angular 2. So that is Patrick's picks um, and I'll go ahead and give mine and then um, Miko can give his. My first pick is um, a call for contributors. So I am the uh, author-maintainer of Angular Formly, and um, it's a considerably uh, big or, like, well-used project. Lots of people use it and love it, um, myself included, but I am kind of swamped with life right now and could really use some help. So if you are interested in maintaining a library that lots of people use and find very valuable, um, and especially if you use it, um, then I would really appreciate you checking that out. So it's uh, github.com slash formally js slash angular dash formally slash issues slash four eighty one. So, or you can just like Google Angular formally and look at issue four eighty one. Uh, my second pick is babies. So I just had a baby. Well, I didn't have the baby. My wife had the baby. I was there. Um, and uh, uh, just like eight or seven, a couple days ago, um, and uh, yeah, they're really, really exhausting and totally, totally worth it, um, even though you wind up needing to make a call for contributors on your libraries. <laughs> um, but yeah, babies are awesome. So I picked, it. I picked babies. Um, yeah, awesome, Miko. What do you have for us?
1: Yeah, I watched a very nice talk uh, by. Uh... Brewster Kale about a call for a distributed web, where he shared his thoughts about moving the web from this uh, centralized architecture to more uh, distributed ones, similar to BitTorrent, and he has some
0: awesome ideas, so that's my pick. Are you just tired of these AWS and uh, GitHub Uh, outages? Is that what this is all about? Okay, cool. Um, so I'll just uh, wrap this up. Let's check Twitter really quick. Um, no questions today, so um, I'll wrap it up with our closing announcements. Remember, next week is um, Angular Connect with Pete Bacon-Darwin. We're super excited to have him on the show talking about uh, the conference that he's working with. Um, and yeah, it's gonna. I, I hear it's going to be an amazing conference with a very, very, very cool uh, party. So we'll see um, how that how that goes. Um, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus uh, to keep up with the latest and greatest. And one other announcement I wanted to make is um, I Angular Remote Conf is coming up in a couple days, like two days. Um, Jeff and I will both be speaking uh, along with several other awesome developers. And so Jeff is speaking before me. I don't know how he slid in there before me, but somehow he did. So. You can warm up the audience, I guess. <laughs> sure, sure, I'll try my best. <laughs> but it should be a lot of fun, really cool. You can still get tickets, um, and it's like it's a remote conference, so you like sit in your pajamas and go to this conference, and you can chat. And, um, I'll be there, and it'll be fun. So yeah, um, and then there was one other thing, NG Um I think you can still sign up for the lottery, but they've they've opened up the lottery, and so. Now, um, people are starting to buy tickets and stuff, but it's still not too late, I believe. So, check out ngComp. And uh, I think that is it. Um, so, thanks, uh, Miko, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And uh, thanks, uh, everybody, for watching. We'll catch you next week. Bye.